It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Friday afternoon. Uh, episode number 28, Kevin Kincaid, uh, Baxter the Dog, is alongside me here. And, uh, you know, listen, I, 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 I had a promotion and relegation guy lined up for the show, and we were going to... Uh, we were going to go deep down the rabbit hole on that whole thing, uh, but that ended up not happening, so maybe that's better for all of us that we don't uh, do too much on that topic. But I do have a, a special guest joining me on the phone, a guy who I've known for a long time who was happy to, um, happy to jump on at the last minute, uh, for which we are appreciative, Mr. Drew Epperly of uh, Big D Soccer. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. And uh, just so people know, uh, Drew and I go way back. I think it's, shit, it's been almost 14 years now. Can you believe it? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Since we were, uh, we, we didn't just, we don't just share an alma mater, but we actually went uh, through journalism school together at uh, West Virginia University. And uh, maybe you follow Drew online. Uh, his Twitter handle is WV uh, Hooligan, and uh, he writes for Big D Soccer. So uh, he and I both. Uh, came up through the uh, the ranks, if you will, at West Virginia. Yeah. More importantly than that, we have a big uh, big time matchup this weekend at Talon Energy Stadium. Uh, FC Dallas versus uh, your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union. Uh, first thoughts, Drew. What do you think about the game? Well, you know, this is a an interesting weekend. You know, FC Dallas is coming off a four nothing loss against Vancouver, a game that they really had no business losing. But you know, it's one of those games that. Things just didn't balance their way. Everything was pretty ugly. They had a couple calls that really shouldn't have gone against them, but they did. And, you know, things could be different this weekend with uh, the whole VAR system being implemented. But, uh, you know, I look at this game as uh, a very interesting game between uh, East and West team, and, you know, it should be fun. So what do you attribute um, the 4 nothing loss to? Was it just kind of they were due for it? I think they had three wins in a row right before that game. Was it just sort of uh, MLS parity and somebody coming down, coming back down to earth? Yeah, you know, it was weird because, you know, Oscar Pereira said after the game, he said that going into it, you know, they got all the players back from the Gold Cup. They got, you know, a lot of players healthy at the same time, and it was actually their best week of practice before that loss. So it was kind of a humbling experience that they hadn't really had all season long because, you know, that was their fourth loss of the year. Uh, and, you know, there, there were some bad breaks along the way. They had a goal that they gave up early in the game that they really, you know, got caught, you know, on their back hills. And then, you know, they had a penalty early in the second half that really, really shook the whole game and really changed the whole way that game played out from the, the rest of the way on. And, you know, it was, you know, one of those games that, you know, parity and MLS at the basic core because going into it, Vancouver had never scored more than two goals in Dallas. They walked away with four and their first victory. So it was just parity at the core, yeah. Uh, so Carlos Gruezo is out, uh, suspended on the red card. Uh, Mauro Diaz appears to be healthy and back in the lineup. I haven't got to see uh, too much of Dallas this year. You know, just being a Western Conference team and whatnot, but I always try to watch them uh, when I can. Um, anything, anything special, anything different, anything unique about the last couple games, this current stretch that they're on that, that Union fans should keep an eye out for? Well, you know, fun, what's funny is going into the Vancouver game, the team – you know, lacked Matt Diaz, or Matt Hedges, sorry, not Matt Diaz, uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt Hedges, Kellen Acosta, and even Jesse Gonzalez for a little bit due to Gold Cup. They also, you know, missed Minor Figueroa for Gold Cup. They had a couple guys in and out. They also had Walker Zimmerman out for a little stretch for an injury. So they didn't have their best team, yet they were probably actually playing some of their best soccer in that last month, especially you know, I would even say like the, the Montreal game was a really good indication of how good this team could be. They go on the road, they give up a goal in a game that they 
should have been up early on on a team like the impact on. And then they come back, get two goals with uh, Christian Coleman, scoring his actual first two goals of the season. Yeah. And you know, this is a team that when they want to light it up, they can light it up really quickly and really well. But also at the same time, if they're trailing, man, they're, they're, a, tough, they're a team that just they struggle to gain a lot of possession. And so they're, they're, they'll chase games a lot more because of that. And that's, that's a big reason why they lost 4 nothing last week, and they were chasing a lot of that game. And they were just getting sucked in behind possession, and just Vancouver kept catching them on the break. And, you know, they're a team that, you know, when they give up goals, they can give up goals. But that was really the first time all year that they've given up a lot of goals. That, you know, beforehand it was like a 2 nothing loss is really their worst loss of the season. Uh, but, yeah, they're, you know, for the most part, they're a team that they can catch you really quick on a counter and score. That's always been their mantra. They got a couple of guys this season that are really lighting it up with, you know, Roland Lamar. He's really kicked it into a good gear yeah. in the last, I would say, two months. He's really found his groove with this team. Yeah. Mikey Barrios, he's, you know, he was a goal scoring threat the last couple of years, but now he's like an assist threat from the wing, which they didn't have before. And so he's poured in 10 assists, which is, you know, up there in the top of the league, which is really fun to watch. And then you got uh, Maxi Rudy up top. He's, he's been pounding some goals this year, which is really exciting to see. Yeah. You mentioned Christian Coleman. Um, Actually, no, let me backtrack first because Jim Curtin said at his press conference this week that, you know, everybody talks about the attacking flair of FC Dallas, Mauro Diaz, Barrios, Lamar. Um, but he thinks the center backs are the best players on the team or maybe at least unheralded. Um, you know, Coleman is a guy who, like you said, just scored his first couple of goals. And Maxi Arruti, I think some people were wondering if he would be the, uh, you know, if he would be good enough to, you know, be the guy on this team. It looks like he is, um, but maybe they could still benefit from a, superstar seven-figure striker, which really isn't the way that FC Dallas operates. But uh, two separate thoughts here. What do you think first about the uh, the center backs being the core and also, uh, you know, if that if that forward core is good enough? Yeah, you know, starting with the defense, I mean, they're definitely – I'm always a defense-first guy. You remember that from our college days. <laughs> definitely always heavy on the defense, and they, they definitely are. I mean, they. I would argue Matt Hedges has been – probably one of the most consistent center backs in the league for the last two, if not three years. Walker Zimmerman, once he finally kind of found his groove in the league, he's, he's right up there. He's starting to get that interest overseas before he got hurt. And so I would definitely agree with Jim Curtin on that fact. I think Jim's a defensive guy anyway, so I kind of think that's where he was going there. And then, you got, you know, as far as the forwards go, I mean, Yuri, he's definitely stepped up more this year, partly because he had Diaz out for a long stretch. So I think he felt like he had a carry a little bit of the weight, but also the fact that I think him and guys like Barrios and Kellen Acosta and Yerudi, I mean, uh, Lamont, they're, they're finally getting really comfortable with one another on the field, and it shows with the way they play. They're very fluid. They're very running off of each other very nicely, and Yerudi's able to like just bang in goals from out of nowhere, and I mean, there's been some games where you're not thinking he's going to score, and then quickly enough, he's got two goals to his name, and you wonder, man, where's this been all this time? Well, it's funny that you identify yourself as a defensive guy because I seem to remember that when we played indoor uh, in, in 2006 at uh, West... Attack, man. Yeah. Attack. <laughs> you had like 25 goals or something like that, and I think I had 25 assists. So maybe we'll just chalk that up to the fact that there wasn't uh, you know, a ton of competition at West Virginia University at the time. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I think that's fair. <laughs> um, all right, speaking of Jim Curtin, you know, the Philadelphia Union have, are having another Philadelphia Union kind of season. Um I don't know how much how much union you get to watch or how much union you're interested in watching, but from an outside perspective, uh, what do, what do you what do you see 
What, what's your perspective from uh, Texas of what's going on here in Philadelphia? You know, I look at a team like Philadelphia, and I think that's a dangerous team to play a team like Dallas. Dallas tends to play a little bit down to their competition and also up to their competition. If you look at games like Toronto when they came in here a couple weeks ago, Dallas played completely up to that competition and dominated that game. Whereas last week against Vancouver team, they had every reason to beat and beat handily. They gave up four goals. So, uh, you know, Philadelphia is a team that's been up and down all season. And this could be a game where Philly could get their break and finally get, you know, not just some goals against Dallas, but also some points. And if not a win against Dallas, because Dallas just hasn't quite, I've, I've said for a long time this season, Dallas has been playing in neutral. They haven't quite hit that second gear on this season. And this is a kind of game that scares me as a Dallas person because they're, you know, they haven't kicked it up a notch. They haven't shown me enough that they can kick it up a notch. And Philly could catch them, you know, napping really early on in a game. You did a, a quick set piece early. I think Philly could catch them. Well, it's interesting because uh, that's the kind of game that Philadelphia excels at. You know, they're playing at home. They catch a team that's kind of half-assing it or they're missing a couple of guys and then they, they slap them 3 nothing. You know, there have been a couple of those already this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I don't think – I can't remember off the top of my head. I still don't think that the Union have beaten Dallas – uh, ever. Yeah, the only the only time was that open cup game in Dallas. It was a semifinal game, and it was on PK. So technically, that was a draw. Too. Yeah, yeah. So it would finish yeah. on a draw, right? Yeah, because Dallas has come and earned draws. I want to say uh, they might have one win at Talon, but uh, draws the rest of the way. Yeah, I really don't know. I really don't know. I see it being like a one-one uh, kind of game. Do you have a, uh, you have a prediction? Yeah, yeah I think one-one is fair. I think that's actually what I had in our Big D soccer predictions was a. A 1-1 draw. It just seems like one of those games that one of the teams is going to find a goal and then the other team's going to find kind of a scrappy goal at some point in you know the late stages of the game. And then, you know, both teams are going to be scrounging around for a point. And, you know, at the end of the day, Dallas, Dallas will look at that kind of result as probably pretty decent. I mean, you, you, you always say in this league, you get the draws on the road, you get the wins at home. And, you know, at the end of the day, Dallas only has two losses on the road. So I think they'd be marginally okay they'll, they'll tell you they'll, they'll not be happy with the draw on the road in this kind of situation yeah but i think at the end of the day they'll be happy with the draw in this kind of game well the union need the points uh you know fc dallas at home and then i think they have montreal uh followed by road trips to san jose and then i think they get toronto so we'll see uh what happens but they need points right here and right now um what else have we got? All-Star game the other night. Uh, any thoughts on uh, the instant classic that we saw between Major League Soccer and Real Madrid? Honestly, I watched highlights. I, I, I just I <laughs> no point in me staying up for that. I've, I've done the All-Star experience in person. It's, honestly, it's fun in person. I will say, if you ever get the chance to do an All-Star game in yeah. person, do it. It's a good time. It's a good couple of days. You get to meet a lot of people. You get to see a lot of cool faces. You know, Especially if the team being highlighted in the game, not the MLS side, but the other team, is worth seeing like Real Madrid. When I went to go, it was in Kansas City and they were playing Roma, which I thought was pretty darn cool. Yeah. So, you know, in person, it's a great experience. You know, for the fan, the consumer on TV, you know, it is what it is. I thought it was kind of a, at least the highlights, like, like I said, that I saw were kind of boring. I mean, PKs, it is what it is. It's, it's a glorified friendly at best, but... You know, it's cool. It's a cool showcase. I know the guys involved, at least from the Dallas side, they were all really eager to go and play in that game. And, you know, I can't blame them for that. I mean, you get to yeah. on a big stage against, you know, Real Madrid. That's, that's pretty darn cool at the end of the day. That, you can't say that too often, uh, especially for an MLS guy. 
Yeah, yeah. I would just like it to see. Uh, I would like to see. I think the format's cool because it. Uh, you know, it, it's still a marketing opportunity for the league, you know, to get some eyeballs on these uh, guys. And that's a difference. You know, people were giving me shit about uh, for the column that I wrote about El Clasico and, and, you know, saying, why don't I care about it? But the difference here is that, uh, you know, this had uh, this all-star game set in, a, um, you know, viewership records on TV. So, you know, if, yeah, if I mean, we're, that's a big deal, I mean, two and a half million or two million or whatever it was, yeah. that's, a, that's a big deal for the league for a friendly uh, to get that kind of a draw. And, you know, Honestly, at the end of the day, I used to be a big, big advocate of, you know, East versus West, and, you know, I've kind of just let that go to the wayside and say, you know what, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to shit from this, because this is a big deal just to bring in any big club at this point and yeah. say, you know, let's put our best for, you know, one of the best teams in the world, and, you know, at the end of the day, if it draws in a few extra thousand new fans of the game... Then sure, yeah. And that, well, that's a big that's a big win for the league. And look at the look at the alternatives. I mean, every single year we sit here and we listen to ESPN talk about how useless the Pro Bowl is or the NBA All Star yeah. Game, where it fin- NBA All Star Game finishes like one seventy five to one sixty two. Um, the NHL All Star Game is not bad. I like how they tried to do some different things there, and they have the skills competition and stuff like that. And then uh, baseball, it's a joke, also. You know, so I mean, I think yeah. I think when. I mean, would you agree that when you put it in perspective to the way that the other sports in this country are doing it, that MLS is is you know doing okay, I guess in the in the All Star game? Yeah, I, I at least give them the benefit of the doubt that the fact that they tried to do something different, something off the beaten path. Granted, you know the other leagues don't quite have many other countries to fall on and say, "Hey, bring bring us your best to play our best." Uh, but you know, at the end of the day. It gets more eyeballs on the on the league, and that's I think that's the win in itself. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to uh, and and like I said, I don't want to spend a ton of <laughs> ton of time on this, but it is relevant because of some of the news that happened this week. Um, I've, I've spent the last five or six days wasting my time arguing with uh, promotion and relegation people on Twitter. I don't know why. I just kind of fall into it, and it happens. But. Um, and like I said, I had a guy lined up who we were going to come on and talk about it and just kind of kind of dive into it in his perspective versus my perspective. But um, you know, the the big uh, you know story that came out this week was a lawsuit, a joint lawsuit filed by Miami <laughs> FC's owner and the dude from the uh, Kingston uh, Stockade, which is a small um, uh, like NPSL, I guess, team up in uh, the middle of nowhere in New York, uh, suing for promotion and relegation in American soccer. Um, you know, citing FIFA Law Nine and and some of the the stuff in the FIFA uh, you know laws and rules that that says hey we deserve promotion and relegation and a seat at the table. So uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just start by throwing it up to you. And and do you think the lawsuit has any weight? I, you know, I, I, it's an interesting lawsuit. Like when I got that in, email in my inbox, I thought, oh boy, here we go. You know, someone's finally finally taking the crack at this because I felt like at some point it had to go to some courts. It had to go to some higher up that really litigated because you know for the longest time it's been just this concept and this idea in america that it should be done but no one's ever really thrown some legality to it and so in that regard i give them i give them a little bit of credit for at least trying that route you know i don't at the end of the day i think it's a lot of wasted effort because you know fifa's they're by i've read some of their bylaws lately and you know it's not fairly clear but it's at least clear enough to where they're not outright saying you have to do it this way um you know there's no clear as day work and every federation has to do promotion relegation i mean they're leaving it completely up to the federation so i I think at the end of the day it's it's going to be a long haul for this group but 
you know, it's it's worth for them. It's worth bringing it up. But I, you know, for me, I honestly I think it's wasted effort because in America, the way everything's structured, it's just you know, I think you and I think the same way in this regard. It's just not conducive, you know, for these teams to pour in the money that they poured in and then potentially be relegated to a lower division that has less value. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, look, the, the real the reality of that is that, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not some, like, super right-wing conservative Republican. Right. And there's, but, and there's not, not that I'm saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I understand the fact that, you know, these are businessmen who made investments uh, in a closed system. Guys like Bob Kraft, who, you know, we bitch and complain about him now not doing much for the New England Revolution, but his money and his support was key to the creation of, you know, this yeah. league I mean, and the this sustainability. I, mean, yeah. I mean, we have the same talk here, too. Yeah, and it just, I, I don't, so I think you have to respect that. And, and look, all these guys who are suing, you know, they're businessmen as well, and they understand that you don't do a deal. There's no art of the deal to use a Donald Trump, I don't know why a Donald Trump phrase just came up there, but, um, you know, you know, like there's no deal that anybody's going to agree to where they don't get anything out of it. You know, of course, Jay Sugarman and Don Garber are not going to sign up to some system where all of a sudden their investment is in jeopardy. Um, you know, and I, I just don't, I understand the altruistic nature of wanting to have everybody give everybody a chance. Uh, everybody, uh, you know, kind of this grassroots thing start from the beginning, but the reality of it is that, not everybody deserves a seat at the table, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, these people that paid $150 million to get into the league, uh, whether you like it or not or think it's the right way or not, I mean, you have to respect the fact that that was the rule and they, you know, played by the rules and they got in. And, um, you know, look, if Kingston Stockade and Miami FC don't like it, the best thing about the United States of America is that if you don't like the table, go sit at your own table. You know, a table that's bigger and better than the, your competitor's table. And, uh, you know, to me, that's why I don't like that guys like Ted, you know, are the spearhead for promotion and relegation because they don't – it's just yelling and shouting and saying this is the way it has to be and this is the only way. When I think that there are organic ways to improve Major League Soccer in the current structure that we have. I mean, look at how the Philadelphia Union came about. It was a bunch of guys sitting together at a bar, and they organized and they mobilized – uh, and they got people on their side, and they made it happen. Now, you know, I'm not saying Jay Sugarman's the greatest owner of all time because he's not. He's actually terrible. But, you know, furthermore, when they didn't like what Nick Sikiewicz was doing, they put his face on a coffin, and they marched it to the gates of the stadium. So I don't think that it's exclusive that you can't have organic, uh, you know, accountability and incentivize investment, and it, you, you you can have that in a closed system as well. So I don't know. I think that's just a part of it that frustrates me to think that there's only one way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's always been, it seems like this one very small 1%, maybe 2% minority that really is just vocal and wants something so bad that, that that's all they talk about. And, uh, you know, I look at, like, these NSL teams, they've all kind of been in the same boat, like, for the last few years. They want this kind of thing, and now it's really starting to just be this one smaller subset of that group that's even more louder than that <laughs> well, the funny thing, the funny thing too, is how they accuse people like you and me. I mean, I'm sure you get it, not as much as I do, but they say, "Well, of course you're going to protect Major League Soccer because that's what your career is, and that's you know they you get paid to do it." Like, look, dude, I don't get I don't get paid nearly as much as everybody thinks I get paid. Yeah. So it's not it's yeah, of course, uh, you know the 
you know, the existence of Philadelphia Union in Division One helps my career, of course. But look, I got to still, I still got to work three other jobs to stay afloat here. So it's it it just makes me laugh when they think that we're shilling for the league. Um, yeah. just for that reason, when it, when it's not true, when when I think promotion and relegation would be great, but I just don't think that the reality in this country is that there's enough Harrisburg City Islander and Reading United fans. God bless both those teams, but I just don't think that people are clamoring to see them in Division One soccer. If you want to have promotion and relegation from D four to D two, that's fine. But this is the way we do it, and um, you know, like it or not, that's what it is for now. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at the way MLS has come about anyways. I mean, it's only 22 years old or so. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank who's, you. To say, who's to say that something can't change in another 22 years or so? But I think at the end of the day, the way everything's been bought into, it's just, like I said, it's just not conducive. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, at least from the owners that invested in it and that kept it afloat for all those years. Like, I guarantee Clark Hunt and Bob Kraft and Phil Anschutz they would they would be laughing at just <laughs> even the mere mention of pro rel. Yeah. And yeah. they probably do every time it's brought up. Like I, I guarantee I could go to Clark Hunt and just whisper the the two phrases pro rel in his ear and he would just laugh. Yeah. And yeah. he wouldn't even need he wouldn't even need a question. He would just laugh and just laugh me out of the room. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, would, the funny—I would, I would never get to go to Toyota Stadium again, which <laughs> another subject. But it, you know, I, I could just imagine that that would be how it would go with him because they—they they know what they bought into and they know how long of an investment they put into and why you know they fought so hard for what they did. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. look—I look back ten years ago, even you know when we just started having the Torontos and even a little bit with Seattle and Philadelphia, like. That was a different league even then than it is now. And the group of owners that are in place, I mean, it's just, it's a landscape that just never seems to make sense for ProRel. I mean, those guys have all paid a lot of debt and a lot of due for what they've wanted. And that's what they got. I mean, it's a closed system, but with a lot of good structure to keep it kind of contained the way it needed to be contained. Because I, I honestly believe, like, had it not been contained, it would have fallen apart. You know, early yeah. 2000s. When yeah, it yeah, to. yeah. Like, I mean, had, had, it, had some guys not stepped up like they did, it would have fallen apart had the system been really open the way there's that small subset of people want it to be open. Well, you know, it's just funny because it's something that I struggle with because I understand both sides of it, and I think both sides make good points. And look, in college, you knew you knew me as the guy who would you know wear a heavy metal black band T-shirt to journalism class every day, and I was sort of. Uh, <laughs> anti anti-establishment uh you know mr yeah. mr contrarian mr uh punk rock or whatever who was against all these big you know corporations and business people and suits and stuff like that but the only thing you know t- to me the most important thing uh, above all is just giving credit where credit's due uh, and whether we yeah. like it or not like you said you know mls exists for this reason so you can't just say well we're gonna throw it away because this is what the people want you know it just doesn't <laughs> you know, as noble as it is, or as altruistic as it is, or as good as the cause is, and, and they make a lot of good points. It's just, it just it doesn't it just doesn't work that way in this country, you know. And I, I think that there are organic ways to make Major League Soccer better with uh, with what we have. So you know, yeah, and you know, I honestly believe the league is working big strides to make it better and make it more open as far as like the pay scale goes for the players and. You know, bringing in better players. I mean, they're they're working, you know, probably night and day more than we even realize they are to make it better for us. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, you're right, man. You're right. Well, um, we'll leave it at that. Um, I'll let you go, Drew, and then I'm going to take some questions uh, from the Philadelphia Union masses. But uh, thanks again for hopping on, man. It's short notice, so we we don't. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely do it again sometime. But uh, yeah, Drew Epperly, yeah, my uh, oh, you know, I got I do have to ask you one more thing before we leave. Actually, yeah. uh, September third, big uh, football game. Your West Virginia Mountaineers, our West Virginia Mountaineers versus the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, who do you got, and why has it been so long since we played them? Oh man, I I've been longing for the days of the backyard brawl and the Black Diamond Cup. I mean, all of that stuff. I've, did you get Did I've you been, get pep, Did you get pepper sprayed in two thousand three? I I wasn't on the field when the pepper spray was sprayed. <laughs> I was in the stands and I felt the pepper spray. I remember the smell of the pepper spray. That was a fun night. Yeah, I, you know, I that's yeah. one of those. That's definitely one of those games. I will always look back on and remember our freshman year for sure. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, those, those are good memories. But yeah, yeah. I, at the end of the day, I'm taking us all the way. I mean, <laughs> I, feel, I feel good. I, I feel good about what we're doing this year. I, I think we're, I, you know, I know we're not near the top of the preseason stuff, but, you know, I feel like we're good underdogs, which I, I like us to be. I feel like we thrive there. Let's go Mountaineers. Let's go drink some beers. Drew Epperly, my uh, former college classmate from Big D Soccer. Follow him on Twitter at Hooligan. Drew, it's always a pleasure, man. We'll do it again sometime. Maybe I'll get my ass. Maybe I'll get my ass down to Texas one of these days. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Hey, too, man. All right, then. Let's uh, let's see what we have as far as the Twitter questions today, and I'm just gonna have to read them and answer them uh, since Dave is not here and because Baxter can't talk. So, uh, you know, let me see if I get... I'm still getting some ProRel stuff in here, so I'm going to try to uh, weed that out. Uh, is CJ Sapong and his hold-up play the right forward for a team that never brings help? Uh, who is he holding it for? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very fair question. I mean, look, you know, when you play that system 4-2-3-1 and you have a big target guy up top who's uh, dropping in to, to hold the ball and, and come back defensively, the idea is that the wingers then would slash in behind. But... You know, in Jim Curtin's system, they, they ask a lot of defensive responsibility of the wingers. So it's it's it does seem kind of counterproductive or counterintuitive to the fact that you would ask them to do so much defensive work when your um, attack is also uh, theoretically predicated on those guys getting in behind based on, on CJ pulling off a defender or moving a center back out of the way. So uh, I guess he is the right forward right now. But, I, you know, I think, I think a Dom Dwyer kind of guy who can do a little bit of that and also get behind at the same time is probably more of what you're you're looking for uh from psa that one that one was from uh, z's binary this is from phil soccer eight uh how many home games do sugarman and graham attend uh i think richie's at every single one and jay is pretty much at all of them isn't he uh, you know i don't do i used to walk down there and uh take a look at the box the owner's box before every game to uh see if there was any special guests or uh you know potential trialists or whatever in there. That's how we spotted uh, Raiz and Bowley, actually, if you remember that. But uh, I think they try to be at every single game. It's something i got to keep doing. I've I've just been lazy and sitting in there uh, with uh, DeGeorge and, and Dave and bullshitting in the, uh, in the uh, press lounge. Uh, I don't care if it's – okay, that's about Stock 8 FC. We don't want that. Uh, MLS will remain barely watchable. Yeah, that's not it. Um, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let me try to find where the actual questions are in here. Because I know they are in here. I just, you know, it's a bunch of pro-rel kind of stuff in here. 
Will the union ever join the spenders down the road and land a player who can grow the brand beyond the core crowd? Uh, no, I mean, not. there's no evidence to say that they're going to do that with the current regime. I mean, they've been on the record saying that, you know, that's, you know, going after high-priced DPs is not what they're going to do. Um, you know, the highest-paid player in franchise history is a utility guy. Uh, you know, a good one, but a utility guy, a glue guy. And, uh, you know, there's nothing to suggest right now if they're going seven figures for a striker or uh, with the number 10, you know. Uh, what, from Jeff Mitchell, what does Maurice do think about pro, <laughs> pro raw? Thanks, Jeff. Uh, hopefully he thinks nothing of it. Um, what else do we got here? Finally watch the uh, Martinez highlights. Yeah, you know, I didn't even get to mention that. Uh, Nicolas Martinez, uh, who was um, – a couple of foreign rumors said that he might be on his way to Philadelphia on loan. Uh, Olympiacos property, uh, he is the brother of uh, Burrito uh, Martinez, uh, who played with uh, Real Salt Lake for a season and a half. You know, tricky winger, uh, Argentinian guy with a lot of skill, left-footed, um, from the scouting reports and what we've seen of him, he doesn't, he's not a goal scorer. Um, you know, he's got a good left peg and he can set guys up. Um, you know, a journeyman kind of guy who's probably fits the, the union profile. I think he's like a, you know, a, a Christian Maidana type who's actually a little bit quicker and a little bit faster who can, who can dribble and actually take guys on. Um, Jim Curtin came out this week and said that, uh, they're aware of the player and that he's Olympiacos property and they didn't really want to comment on it. Uh, that's, cl- that's as close to a, to a no comment as you'll get from Jim Curtin. I think that says more. Uh, I think that says a lot because he's usually quick to comment on, on everything. So uh, there's probably something to it. Uh, we'll see. Um, free Keegan. Yes, that's not, well, it's just a statement. Um, what specific changes do they need to become contenders in the future? Uh, put differently, what is the trust, the process of the union? Well, I mean, I've said that they, you know, first of all, they got to spend more money and they just have to pursue these different uh, avenues of player personnel. I mean, if you look at the template right now, look at what a team like, uh, you know, we'll take Chicago Fire, for instance. Uh, Nemanja Nikolic, good foreign signing goal scorer. Bastian Schweinsteiger, DP, foreign signing. Uh, Johan Kappelhoff, uh, TAM level uh, foreign center back. Brandon Vincent, uh, you know, produced uh, a. You know, Stanford product, college-produced, high draft pick, uh, who's growing into his own. Um, you know, Jalmera is another one of those guys. Uh, you know, they they have different pieces from different. You know, they're exploring all the different avenues of uh, player acquisition. You know, Dax McCarty was a trade uh, within the league. So you, there, you have a trade, a DP signing, you know, a TAM level signing, a draft pick. You know, I think you have to go down all those avenues. It's not just going to be, hey, we're going to uh, pump a bunch of players out of the Philadelphia Union Academy because I just don't think it, you know, you can put 11 of those guys on the field, but it starts with a DP game changer, number nine, number 10. Uh, this one from Andy. Uh, has the team ever publicly mentioned the former dock outside the stadium or anything uh, related to the location next to the river? It's a huge waste uh, currently. Well, yeah, I mean, if you looked at the original blueprints for the stadium, they had like a wharf planned uh, where you could pull your boat up and there was retail and uh, mixed-use kind of uh, stuff there. But, I mean, that all fell apart uh, when the uh, economy tanked in 2008, and so they just slashed the funding, and what you had was a stadium left in the uh, middle of nowhere. Uh, Rich Ransom, can you lend some of the MLS and some money you get paid? <laughs> yeah, we alluded to that. I don't make, a, you know, when Ted says, well, you're just shilling for Major League Soccer because they bred your butter. Well, they bred about uh, 15% of my annual salary. Um, 
which players are most likely to depart at the end of the season and what will be the most important positions to strengthen when they leave? Well, I think Roland Auberg and El Senior are gone for sure. Um, you know, and then likewise, the number 10 spots, the number one uh, position going in the off season, uh, Jay Simpson, I think you're stuck with for another year. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with them. Uh, Pat Andrews, is it a waste of time to be a union fan? Uh, yes, but you can still listen to the podcast. We appreciate that. Um, Sapong and Pontius both lead the league in head balls. Uh, is this a good or bad thing? Well, in Chris, uh, Chris's case, I wrote about this the other day. He's not scoring goals, but half of his assists this year are from knockdowns. Uh, you know, he was playing on the right. He was able to get um, sort of in that back post area and head the ball down and towards goal, and they've been scoring off of that. So uh, the only the only guy in the league that actually is above Pontius right now, you know, Ariel's one is uh, Steve Birnbaum, who I think has 4.7 per game, and I think Pontius is up in like the three range three per game uh, and everybody else is in the twos and that's you know if you go down the list and you look at the guys in that statistic it's mostly center backs right it's Steve Birnbaum it's Ike Opara it's uh, Matt Hedges so you know not just that the fact that he's doing what he's doing but also if you look at the guys who are in who are on that list you know they're all defenders who are uh, taking balls that are whipped into the box so that just goes to show you how good Pontius is in that area he's just got to score uh, let's get some Wesley Schneider to the union buzz starting yeah I think he's. Uh, I think he had a trial with uh, Nice, uh, so he might be teaming up with uh, Mario Balotelli next season, which would be interesting. Uh, prediction on how many times per game a call has changed because of VAR? Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to say about VAR. I like it. I like the concept that uh, hopefully you try to get things right, but I think they rushed to implement it. You know, I don't know why you had to do it in the middle of the season. Now, I think they just wanted to be the first to do it. Um, but it doesn't make sense to add something. Uh, that's significant and something with the potential for game-changing moments to do that right in the middle of the season. Uh, this latest Freddie Adu news was a mess. Uh, thoughts? I know you guys love discussing Adu and Edu. <laughs> you know, I just feel for Freddie at this point. Um, you know, the whole thing's become a big farce, and I think that we all have a – we're all to blame for that, you know? I mean, we the media especially. I, I can say that, you know, even during his Philadelphia Union days uh, when he would uh, – you know, play a game and we'd see him in the locker room. There's a bunch of cameras and a bunch of recorders that were being shoved in his face, even when they shouldn't have been. Um, not saying it was, you know, unmer- or a merit kind of thing, but even just asking him for comments on things that, you know, just giving him a break. You know, even if he played an average game and he did nothing wrong, people still going and shoving, you know, cameras in his face and recorders in his face and asking him dumb questions, you know. And I think we just, um, I think we, we played a part in ruining the kid. Is Richie Marquez still on the roster? Yes, he is. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just down on the depth chart right now. I guess he's the number four center back, uh, which is strange you know, when you consider that he played 34, uh, 33 games this year. Uh, from Anthony, if you could sign any striker and number 10, who would they be if money wasn't an issue? And the same question, you are factoring in money. Oh, if I could sign anybody, any striker and number 10? Well, I mean, outside of, uh, you know, Neymar and uh, Luis Suarez or whatever. I mean, realistically, I just, you know, to to get on the Adam Maher train one more time, it's not just because he was a playmaker and he had Ernie connections. Um, you know, he, he was a guy who, well, number one, he's still young. I think he's 24. But also, if you look at uh, Josie Altidore's career path, um, you know, Josie didn't really find his form or find his uh, goal-scoring ability or really unlock his full potential until he played uh, in front of Adam Maher, you know? Um, also, being in the Dutch league and being in an attacking league that was that was more open uh, and people inclined to uh, to go forward and not just sit behind the ball. You know, I, I 
I look at what he did for for Josie, and I wonder if if a guy like Adam Maher could do that for CJ Sapong. You know, um, really sort of pull out the potential that I think we know that CJ has. And so that's just that's one of the main reasons I've been harping on the Adam Maher thing, not just because I think he's a great player, but also because of the history that he has with an American big, you know, strong center forward type of player. And I just think that it makes a ton of sense in a lot of ways. Um, this one's a Game of Thrones question. So if you haven't seen it, you can tune out now or just turn the volume down. More likely to happen first, Pontius getting a goal or Arya Stark killing Cersei Lannister. Um, I don't think, uh, I guess Pontius getting a goal because I don't think Arya is going to do it. From Jason, should the union make a signing a trade before the transfer window ends or wait until the offseason to unload contracts and retool with new TAM money? Well, I think they might sign uh, Martinez on loan. You know, it's no it's no coincidence that this town hall meeting is scheduled for the day that the transfer window closes. So, you know, just like the last time where, where they have the 3 nothing win against the Red Bulls, you're going to have something positive to talk about, you know, in a situation where some fans, I think, were going in there with more venom uh, originally going in there with more venom and more vigor, you know, off the, uh, you know, to to start that, uh, you know, town hall meeting, and then it was kind of blunted, I think, because they had a big win the weekend before. So maybe maybe that'll be the same if they sign a guy here. But otherwise, I don't think they'll make any any trades. Um, from Le Tuper, predict what uh, what do you see happening this off season on union player moves in and out? Yeah, we kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, predict if union owners' pockets open up more than before. I mean, they should. I mean, Ernie's got to get to him and say, look, I need more to work with. Thoughts on PSG spending more on one player than the entire value of the union ever? I think it's horse shit, honestly. And all these promotion and relegation guys you talk about, you know, opening the uh, pyramid and, you know, adding investment and stuff like that. Is that really where you want to go? Where we're just throwing, you know, millions and millions of dollars on into transfer fees and buyouts and stuff like that? That's That's not healthy for the game, you know? Um, and, and in addition with the promotion and relegation thing, I, I don't, I do like MLS because the ultimate goal every year is to win the, win a trophy. You know, I don't need Sam Allardyce, you know, getting these accolades for just keeping a team up. Um, because I, while I understand the financial ramifications of all of that and why it's important to them, you know, you create these teams like West Brom and Stoke city, crystal palace and, uh, whoever the hell else who really are, just average pedestrian teams that are never going to have a chance to win a trophy. And, uh, you know, if, if it's more important to them to just stay up and uh, stay afloat than actually, you know, win a trophy, then fine. But I, I just find myself not really caring about teams 5 through 17 in the Premier League. You know, I just don't. Um, Leicester was a great story, and it was amazing. I loved seeing that happen. But uh, I think you all know as well as I do that we're right back into the world of Chelsea and Manchester City and Manchester United um, you know, competing for the title every year with Arsenal coming in fourth. So is it the most union thing for them to somehow win three to four nil tomorrow night? Yeah. And I, I mentioned that with Drew, you know, how they, they kind of punish teams that kind of half-ass it there. Uh, after reading the PSP article ranking every union player of all time, what's you and you and Dave Zeitlin's all-time starting 11? That's a good question. I mean, I, probably a lot of guys from the 2011 team mixed in with uh, Tranquil Barnetta and Vince Nogueira. Um you know, back to front, I would say uh, Andre Blake, left back, uh, I don't know, uh, Jordan Harvey, I guess, uh, center back, Carlos Valdez, alongside, uh, God, who would be the other center back there? Carlos Valdez alongside Jeff Park? <laughs> I don't know. Um, right back, uh, I, I guess Shannon is probably, you know, considering where Keegan is right now, Shannon Williams. Uh, then, uh, 
in the midfield, I would have uh, Harris Medunyanin playing next to Vince Noguera with Tranquil Barnetta in front of them. Uh, Sebastian Latou up top. I don't know who's on the who's on the wings at this point, but yeah, it'd be a pretty good team. Pretty good team. Maybe maybe that's another question for another time. Who's been the better signing, Bedoya or Medunyanin? Uh, I don't know. I guess they're both probably the same. Uh, what percentage of Philadelphia residents are able to recognize Andre Blake in public? Probably one percent. Uh, if pro rail happened would the league eliminate the salary cap and then would it be like a three team league, like the European leagues? Yeah, I think so. Which is what I just alluded to. So that's basically uh, all we have. So, uh, pro rail, maybe if, you know, let me know if you want me to try to get that guy back on or get a promotion relegation guy in here and, uh, give me a shout if that's the podcast that you would actually listen to just, uh, a bunch of bitching and whining and, and yelling, but that's it for now. Uh, episode 28. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And thanks again to Drew Epperly, Big D Soccer, for hopping on at the last minute and uh, giving us something to give to you guys. Philadelphia Union in Dallas, uh, Saturday, I've got a, I think I said a 1-1 draw earlier in the show, so that's a story. I'm sticking to it. So for Baxter, I'm Kevin Kincaid. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>